What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is presented by Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus is the membership that helps you save on things you expect, plus the things you don't, like free delivery from your store with no markups, gas savings, and even a free Paramount Plus subscription. Start your free 30-day trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus essential plan only, separate registration required, $35 order minimum. See walmart.com slash plus for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome to Every Single Album. I'm Nora Princiati, and I am here with Nathan Hubbard for a follow-up 1989 Taylor's version mailbag episode from the vault extravaganza. Hello, Nathan. How are you doing? I'm terrified of this episode. <laughs> we got really good questions. We got a lot of questions. We got very I put thoughtful questions. More questions in the doc than... I normally do for mailbag episodes just because we tend to sometimes be a little long-winded, but they were so good. And also there were so many of them. So if we, I I tried to choose ones that covered the most ground, but just good job by everyone with the questions because there was a lot of, of really compelling stuff in there. Shall we just get to it? This is going to be mostly 1989 related. Some of them have to do with uh, just sort of the general Taylor discourse at this present moment. And a few of them are sort of random, but primarily this is our follow-up to 1989 Taylor's version, which we've now had a couple weeks to, to live with and ruminate in. So that'll be fun. First question is from Wildest Creams, which I have to say is a great Instagram account that pairs Taylor Swift songs with ice cream flavors. And so if you're not following, if anyone listening is not following, I would highly recommend that follow. The question is, do you think Is It Over Now is always going to be the single? Or might early streaming numbers have played a role? Baby, was it over Is it over now? So Is It Over Now, as we record, debuted at number one on the Hot 100 where Taylor currently occupies the entire top six, which beats Midnight's, which had the entire top five after it was released. The interesting thing here is that initially it seemed like they were setting Slut up to be the first single. Nathan did. did that. Yeah. If they call me a slut, you know if I'd be worth it for So the things that made me think that is, I think, first of all, there was one kind of bloggy report that said that that was happening. I'm not sure that that actually came from anywhere. 
but it was also available as a digital single on the website that had the cover art where it had slut and pink font over Taylor's face, which was kind of funny. So I thought that they were going there with it. Do you think that it was the fan enthusiasm around Is It Over Now that changed this? Because now it is the first sort of official single being serviced radio. I think that the entire Taylor Swift empire and operation is largely impeccable in their execution across just about everything that they do, except one thing. (laughs) It's picking lead singles. (laughs) It's picking lead singles. I mean, this is the Achilles heel. It just, it's there. God forbid the archer find that heel with an arrow, but it it is just not what they do well. So I think that's probably it. And I think if we're being honest, a lot of the fan base was somewhat disappointed in Slut. I really like the song, but I think we wanted a real rocker out of that one and we didn't quite get it. it. We didn't get like sort of an iconic chorus that would, you know, befitting of the title. We wanted of the song. a cheeky feminism bop. I yeah. wanted a cheeky feminism bop and it didn't happen. And you like this song, actually, I think more than most people. I'm going to be brave here and say that the entire vault has grown on me, including the songs that I initially really liked, except for this song. Wow. So, yeah, I'm. Uh, it's too like it will probably take years for me to disentangle my expectations for it and my hopes for it from how I just hear the dreaminess and the vibiness and the slowness of it and go, I don't, I don't really want to listen to this. It is my least favorite song from the vault. What? Yeah. You like suburban legends better. I do like suburban legends better than slut. Dude, we're going to have to talk about By the way, decades from now, if either one of us does anything relevant with it, with the rest of our lives, the clips that people are going to be able to pull from this era of content being like, (laughs) I like suburban legends better than slut. (laughs) It's going to be incredible. So step back for a minute. Of all of the vault songs that have been released since the start of this project when she put Fearless out. What are the ones that you actually go back to and listen? And 10 Minute All Too Well, does that count or not? It doesn't, it counts, I I guess. I do think that it, I do think that it counts. Um, Is there any doubt that that is the best vault song? You kept me like a secret, but I kept you like an oath, sacred prayer. It's Whoa, definitely the most important vault song. Yeah, no, I think it is the best vault song. I mean, it's 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 hard, right? Because like what percentage it. what and but what percentage of what you love about that is from the vault, right? Like All Too Well 10 is from the vault, but also 60% of it is the song that we already had. Uh, but I I love the production. It's the production for me. That's where I love the jack all over that thing. I am more about the lyrics, I think, than yeah. than you in terms of what I like about the 10-minute version. But it, if we're counting it, then yes, I think it's the best vault track. Okay. Uh, what else sits with you? 
nothing new. How can a person know everything at 18, but nothing at 22? Has really, really lasted. I'll bet you think about me has lasted. You laughed at my dreams, rolled your eyes at my jokes. Red is the best vault to my ear. Still? Yes. I think red to me has the best vault of all the re-recordings. Speak I can now. see you is pretty good. I can see you against the I can see so this I can see you and speak now is an interesting one to compare to 1989 because even though I, you know, I don't really care for slut, it's my least favorite song from the vault. The 1989 vault to me is very consistent. I don't know that there's a song in like, there's no song in the 1989 vault that I like as much as I like. I can see you. But if my second favorite song from the speak now vault, I think is Emma falls in love. Hangs in the air like stars in outer space. And I think that's just because you don't want to give me any satisfaction of telling me that you have come around to electric touch. Got a feeling your electric touch could fill this ghost town up with light. Electric touch is fine. I just like it's better than fine. You are able to feel things to that song that I I just like will never access, but I'm happy for you. And I have no beef with that song. It's it's like well constructed and cool and whatever. Um and I'd rather listen to it than the the we didn't start the fire. <laughs> I can certainly say that. Okay, we agree on that. But most of the 1989 vault, I think, would slot in for me in between I Can See You and When Emma Falls in Love. So it's like more consistent, but it's not quite. Uh, you know, if I have to choose one song from either one to take to a desert island, it's I Can See You. So I don't, I guess that means I think the 1989 vault is be- is better than the Speak Now vault, but it's close okay. because I just really love I Can See You. Okay. Um, What about you? What sticks with me? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Better Man. Sometimes in the middle of the night I can feel you again. For sure. Red is unquestionably the best vault, right? Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. I, I think this is pretty good. I have to say, I think, I think the vault, separating out the way that I feel about how much it sounds like Midnight and how much I want her to work with some new people because it's really exciting when she does that not because there's anything wrong with Jack Antonoff. I am, as I have just described multiple times, God, we're only one question in. It, it, like, I am a Well, we actually did get another done. question about ranking all the re-records okay. vaults. So, so we're kind of, you know, two birds. All right. Well, I, I think, yeah, I, I Better Man, I definitely go to, I can see you. Yeah, I just... The vault songs have not been on regular rotation for me. I, I I see them as context for the rest of the album. I think in some cases, they've been just add-ons to get you to pay attention. 
But in other cases, it's been real context to help you understand what was going on. And 1989 is first amongst all of the re-releases, I think, in how The Vault helps shape the way that I think about 1989 and what it's about and what it means. And so for that, the songs aside, I'm appreciative that it's out in the world. It is definitely the number one recontextualization vault. I think ultimately I go red 1989 speak now fearless. Okay. That's probably the right. That's probably what I would say too. Yeah. That question, by the way, asking us to rank the re-recorded albums vaults uh, was from Baphne. So thank you for that question. Okay. Just to circle back and close the loop on slut. I, I too believe that they wanted this to be the single which is canonically part of the weird lead single choice story because take away my personal feelings about the song. It's not exactly giving like radio hit. No. Do you think she just is determined to make a song with an exclamation point in the title a hit? And since might, me, since we rejected me, she's <laughs> maybe she's just she really likes seeing it on the on the little billboard yeah. list. Like slut has uh, an exclamation point and quotation marks. She just really wanted to get that in there. Maybe it's like a bit. Maybe she and Jack have some weird yeah. bit where it's like, um, where like there was a, the the uh, I think I saw Andy Samberg giving an interview over the weekend about how the Lonely Island used to try to say Jimmy Fallon and like every interview. Maybe this is their version of that. And you know what Jimmy Fallon says? He always says, truth is stranger than not truth. It's a weird way of phrasing it, but that's Jimmy. Well, I mean, now that we're talking about it, why does it need the exclamation point? It doesn't. It doesn't need the exclamation point. That's what didn't work about this song. You think you would like it better if it just was slut instead of slut? No, so I would like it better if it was still slut exclamation point. And she had risen to that occasion and she was giving slut exclamation point. That's just what I don't think is is happening. I mean, okay. she's even like the message, the, the lyrics of the song are like, if they call me a slut, eh, oh, well, we're in love. Right. It's just very funny. Whatever. I'm uh, into this song. It's okay. Okay. I'm 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 happy for you. Uh is it over now? I'm super into. Baby, was it over when she laid down on your couch? So regardless of what the plan was with with Slut, which, you know, it was available as the digital single on the website uh for the first weekend that 1989 Taylor's version was out. But then they did take it down. And over that first weekend, I think it was already apparent that people were really latching on to Is It Over Now? And that that was a really interesting song in terms of how it does recontextualize the album, but also just an absolute bop. So Hmm. I do think that they were keeping an eye out and noticed that there was real energy behind that song and and rode the wave. And look, I mean, 
for all that so many of us, you know, tweet and express our opinions, we know that she listens. And this seems like an example of that. Does it surprise you that there's no feature on any of these tracks? No, not really. I, I think there was one one potential feature opportunity that kind of lived as a specter over this entire thing. And if it mm-hmm. wasn't going to be that, I don't know who who else really needs to be here. Okay. Thoughts? Feelings? I mean, I think that's probably right. Do you, do you think that there was any discussion of having some features on this? Do you think she reached out to anybody? Are you asking me if I think that she tried to get Harry Styles on style featuring Harry Styles? <laughs> yes. I mean, look, the woman knows how to make a play for the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. That's 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 all I know. Mm-hmm. You think it could have been possible? I have a secret I will never tell. But I am... You know you love me, XOXO, Gossip Girl. I'm just surprised. Like, when, when you dial back out and, and you sort of look at this thing as a whole, I am surprised that there are no features. I mean, Kendrick Lamar doesn't count because that existed before. Wait, do you know that you're being so sketchy right now? Like, <laughs> I have a secret! I have a secret and I'm just going to keep it to myself. I'm Nathan. I'm in my little black recording studio and no. you'll never know. I just, that's a question at some point I would like to see addressed. Question, ellipses, question mark. Can I ask you a question? Yes. I would love to, I would love to hear an answer, a little more detail on whether there was a discussion of having anyone feature on this fault. Or whether it was intentional that she didn't. I think there were two possibilities for the 1989 Taylor's version vault or for features. I think one was that they were actually going to do the thing and see if they could get Harry to do it. And the other possibility is, I mean, look, Kendrick is sort of grandfathered in. Uh-huh. Remember when you thought I'd take a loss, don't you remember? Musically, this is the album that exists outside of the context of contemporary music, right? Like that was the huge discussion at the time of, of 1989. I think in that that makes it an album that is not really ripe for a lot of features. So in terms of am I surprised that they didn't, you know, go ask Haim to get on a song for this one or Sabrina Carpenter or whoever, like I, I'm right. not surprised that we don't have anything like that. Um, You're not. Why are you not surprised? Because she did it. I mean, with everyone from Keith Urban to, you know, she she just sort of across the whole. Because this Chris is Stapleton. the point of musically. The point of this album is like a clean slate. It is, it mm. is these sort of vaguely '80s references, but that was intended for her to be this like fresh reset. And I don't think that referencing like the contemporary pop of Heim. Or the country of a Chris Stapleton. All right, just one kiss, and you should probably fits within that goal and that framework. See, I sort of felt Speak Now was that way, where it was sort of 
all her as a writer and sort of the focus spotlight was on her artistry across the creation of an album, not just as a songwriter. Um, Yeah, but the people that she had feature on Speak Now are like Taylor obsession artists from within that time period. Well, there's a Taylor obsession artist or two from within this time period. But not in the same, like, it. it, it She dated one of them. (laughs) What is, so Harry is separate. That is between Taylor Swift, Harry Styles, and God, whatever happened (laughs) on that snowmobile within this re-recording process. I'm not counting that. That's a different thing. But I I do think that, like, I, I think that someone like, you know, not Harry, but like Niall, right? It pierces the sort of sheen and the one track mindedness that made 1989 what it was yeah. to start inviting a bunch of other other people into it. Again, that is completely separate from the Harry discussion because as we have learned, a huge amount of this album is about one person and that person also happens to be a recording artist who can is the subject think, of, of much speculation. That Can you think of a feature. single song on which Harry Styles has featured? No. Yeah, neither can I. Interesting. He's, ne- he's never been a feature artist. Ever. But he's never even showed up on, you know, I mean, Taylor showed up on a Haim song and other stuff. I like, mean, look, there are two separate questions here, right? There's did Taylor ask in the first place, which is one path to there being no style featuring Harry Styles is she would never ask him to do that. And, you know, we were all silly. The other path is she asked and he said no, right? And I do think that from Harry's perspective, there's no way for him to do that without becoming a bit player in the Taylor Swift universe. Right. So. I would not have done it if I was Harry Styles. I don't know that I would have done it if I was Harry Styles either. I actually, I think I distinctly would not have done it if I was Harry Styles. I don't know that I would have asked if I was Taylor, but if I was right. Harry Styles, I, would, I, I don't think that I would have said yes. Right. It would have been awesome. I feel disappointed that it's not here. But we learned a lot more. It's sort of ironically, we learned a lot more about the album and the relationship and her feelings about it all through the vault without him on it. We did indeed. I think I, we got some questions about that. But Meg Davenport has our next question, which is, what are your thoughts on the Argyle theory? Do you know what this is? Meg, what the fuck is the Argyle theory? Okay, I can't believe, like, I, okay. So the Argyle theory, I'm like in this. There is an upcoming movie called Argyle that okay. a lot of people have speculated Taylor might have written under a pseudonym. Here is the evidence. The movie is about a like spy novel writer who gets caught up in like actual spy shenanigans. Bryce Ellis Howard plays the author whose name is Ellie Conway. And she does look a fair bit like Taylor playing the author at the end of the All Too Well short film. That's just yep, for right. Starters. Looking in the window at Jake, at Jake, right. Yeah, when she has a red hair and all that. Second of all, this main character, Ellie Conway, she has a Scottish fold cat. 
Whoa! Hey! There's a cat in there! Oh my god, you're Ellie freaking Conway. The cat is an integral character in the movie. Enough so that the poster for the movie is a little Argyle backpack, which is a cat carrier backpack that has the little fishbowl window on the front where the cat can, you know, poke its face out, which this we is know some clown ass shit. No. Okay. Actually, like hold on. Okay. Ellie Conway is the main character in the movie, but is also supposedly the author in real life of a yet to be published novel that the movie is based on. But she does not seem to actually be a real person. Uh, she has a random house author bio that is like really vague. It just says Ellie Conway was born and raised in upstate New York. She wrote her first novel about Agent Argyle while working as a waitress in a late night diner. And then she has an Instagram, but it doesn't have any pictures of her as a person on it. And she is always posting from the West Village of New York City. Just also (laughs) Apple paid $200 million for the rights to this movie. How do we know they paid $200 million? Vanity Fair. Um, So take it up with them. Take it up with them. There is at least a story about it. It's an exorbitant number. There's no way that it's real. Does Van- like, no way. Does Vanity Fair t- address the Taylor sitch? So they claim that Taylor is not involved. Well, maybe they're wrong on both fronts. Uh, here is what I want to say. This is so... By the way, the trailer to this movie looks absolutely ridiculous. But there is something going on here. Really? That specific cat backpack is a reference to literally nothing in this world other than the scene from Miss Americana. Yeah, yeah, where she's where got Taylor the has back. the cats in the backpack. So whether uh-huh. or not, ta- like, it, Taylor could have absolutely nothing to do with this thing, and the people making this movie could have constructed an elaborate ruse to pull all of us in and get all of us, us interested. Uh, fine. What I am not willing to accept is the idea that all of these coincidences are completely meaningless. But you sound like every other Taylor Swift conspiracy theorist on the planet, whether it is about anything, we connect the most disparate of dots to form... These dots, these dots, they are on top of each other. These dots matter. It's a Scottish fold cat. It's the same breed of cat as Meredith and Olivia. How many Scottish fold cats do you think walk the planet right now? There, there are, it's not a question of, of the since scarcity Since when did she of corner the, the market on Scottish fold cats? Okay, kind of since always. Kind of since, Mer- since is it Meredith or Olivia who has the crazy net worth? <laughs> one, of them is, one of them has like, one of them is worth like $93 million. I think it's Olivia. Dibbles. I do kind of think Taylor has cornered the market on Scottish folds. Okay. Like, if I got a Scottish fold and people came over to see my cat, they would be like, oh my God, that's the cat that Taylor has. That's the same type of cat that Taylor has. Yeah, it's Olivia. Olivia's net worth is is $97 million. Because she did all those commercials. According to All About Cats, 
Okay, who's quoting disreputable sources now? I'm just saying this is bonkers. This is what you allow yourself to do. You allow yourself to just tumble down these rabbit holes and then you get disappointed when Harry doesn't show up on style. I wouldn't, I, but I wouldn't like change my experience. What's going to have a bigger live, opening I, weekend? Argyle or the Eras Tour movie? The Eras Tour movie, I think. Although I will be seeing Argyle. The trailer looks unhinged. <laughs> if Taylor Swift wrote Dua, this movie. Dua Lipa is in this movie. What? Dua Lipa, John Doing Cena. What? Um, I think she's a spy. I can't really tell. It's I, like I just I've, I'm out of words. I'm out of words. To, you have to watch the trailer. It's okay. like it's it. But I'm in. I'm going to be seeing the movie. I think it's out in like February or something. So okay. You know what? It worked. The marketing worked on me. What else can I say? You're directing people to random parts of the internet. You're you're sending it's people the wildest a... creams. Which, by the way, this nobody is... Google that. Uh, <laughs> you can Google Argyle trailer. It's a That's good Instagram safe. account. This is a real movie with Dua Lipa and John Cena and Bryce Dallas Howard. And How, what do you think Dua's strategy there is? She's like, look, if people are going to buy me being an actor, I got to have somebody working across me who is not going to deliver a, <laughs> a George Clooney-esque performance. Let's get John gotta Cena. Got to get Cena in here. Cena will pull his weight, but no more. Um, Not a pound more. There seemed to be a lot of, in the trailer, it was a lot of, uh, it, it was a lot of stunts. It was a lot of like heisty, fast paced chase. We have to get scenes. off this. This is nonsense. We are massively okay. overselling okay. this. We're going to move on. We're just going to move on. Moving on. Meg, We're gonna... you and Nora are bonkers. I love you, Meg. You're the best, Meg. This was fun for me. I appreciated it. Uh, okay, we did the re-recording albums question. Important. This question came from... Sorry, I don't want to make fun of anybody's handle. I'm just like, I have the sillies now because we talked about a movie with a cat in it. Uh, Scrimp, I think, was the name. Scrimp? But this is an important question. Do you think that's a seagull on Is It Over Now? And if not, what is that sound? Well, people also hear a cat, right? On Now That We Don't Talk. Yes, I cannot hear the cat whatsoever. The cat allegedly meows after um, the long weekends with line. I don't hear the cat at all. I hear like a whale. Olivia's worth $97 million. Taylor would love to put her in the credits. It's like three Travis Kelsey's. <laughs> that was in Vanity Fair too. Uh, she would be celebrating this from the rooftops if the cat had actually sung. I do agree with that. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. The seagull, I also don't think that it's a real seagull. I think that's just some like Jack Antonoff bullshit. Yeah. Positive, not derogatory. A loving yeah. statement. But it does sound like a seagull. It's like, ah! Did that sound like a seagull? <laughs> kind of, like, ah! Ah! 
It sounds more like a squirrel. That's not what squirrels like, like chitter chatter. Like a paranoid squirrel. Okay, I don't. I, that's not something I have any familiarity with. Sounds like a Scottish fold. A Ugh. Scottish fold counting its money. It, is it over now? It is. Is your favorite track on the vault? Yes. It is mine too. Okay, it is. Do you ah! hear the recycling of some ideas from Out of the Woods or style on Is It Over Now? And does that at all diminish your enjoyment? Is it part of why you like it? Have you thought about that? It does not diminish my enjoyment. What I love about Is It Over... I like the song in general, but bridge hits. I think I didn't see you. There were flashing lights. At least I had the decency to keep my nights out of sight. Only windows by my hips and thighs. Which, yes, that is a parallel to Out of the Woods, certainly, because Out of the Woods is a song where the bridge by far is what hooks me in. But, I, you know, I love um, I love the text, how the texture on her voice changes when she gets there. I love the drama of, you know, I think about jumping. I think about jumping off a very tall somethings just to see you come running. Run. And all of that, I think, is really, really the part of the song where I get into it. Mm-hmm. It's not that much. That and Now That We Don't Talk for me are really close. But I do ultimately probably go to is it over now but i think both of those are are really far up there and then the one that has grown on me like insanely a lot is say don't go Why'd you have to twist the knife? Walk away and leave me there are people who really ride or die for say don't go say don't go is a bop it's it's a sad girl bop and okay i'm here for it okay i i, I i've said my piece about say don't go but i i respect the people who really love that song. Thank you. Leah Serafini asks, are we getting a rep Taylor's version announcement on November 10th, which would be the sixth anniversary of the original release? Uh, Will you allow me to make the case for this, Nathan? And then you can just dump water on all of my theories and all of my hopes and all of my dreams. No, I don't want to be that person. Make the case. Let's go. Okay. So, November 10th, first of all, is 13 days after uh, October 27th, which is when 1989 Taylor's version came out. There was the banner on the website announcing of 1989 Taylor's version where the S inversion looked like a snake. Well, she's wearing snake rings all over New York right now. The snakes are out and about. Followed by... The I-O-N, which looks like 10 and 10 November. A lot of people have identified this glitch lyric where she says it's been 2,190 days of our love blackout. It's been 2,190 days of our love blackout. And have identified that November, um, that it'll have been that many days since Reputation was released because... That's the part that I don't really get why that matters because 
that's just six years. And yeah, it's the six year anniversary. But then I don't get why the glitch lyric really factors into it. And also a certain relationship of hers was famously like six years long. So I just that part I don't really get. I see I, the most compelling piece of this to me is the um, the little S snake and the fact that she is out and about quite a bit wearing combinations of black and blue. Yeah. Which some people thought was going to was signaling a double album. Obviously, that didn't happen. You see where I'm going with these things. These data points it, that get stitched I guess together. in my Look. heart of okay, okay. In my heart of hearts, this one I don't. I, I don't feel this one in my soul. Well, what I want to know is how do you reconcile this with uh the coffee cup, you know, whatever, cappuccino or latte scene from the bejeweled video, right? Where she's got the 1989 blue nail and the reputation black nail and the black nail is pointing to I believe two which would indicate February on the other hand the blue nail was pointing to nine which would have indicated September I think sometimes she accidentally Easter eggs when she doesn't know she's doing it that said if you told me that reputation Taylor's version was going to come out in sometime in February just in terms of the the overall timeline, that feels more right mm. to me than it it would be weird though, Nora, for us to now get through the entire holiday season with nothing else from her. Well, well, you know what she could drop live album the Taylor Swift holiday album, Taylor's version. <laughs> Yes. Christmas <laughs> tree incredible. farm forever. Oh, baby, baby, Merry Christmas. Well, she has Christmas tree farm is, is, is hers already, but she's got to get the Christmas must mean something more Taylor's version going. So here's to the birthday boy who saved our Maybe there's some Christmas from the vault. Like, let's do it. If that was the surprise November 10th release, I would like jump for joy. I would be so pumped. I mean, we're we're like a not even a week out from that. So I know you, we're you gonna think... find out soon. Okay. Okay. We'll see. Okay. I, question do, from I just think I think look, the data says, right? Uh, speak now didn't get erased, but I mean 1989 is gonna go down as like her biggest selling first week ever, I believe. Ever. Yes. And it, you know, it's not a competition, but it way outdid Speak Now. And we can talk about whether uh, the added attention around her relationship, the movie, all those things uh, maybe sort of crescendoed to push it over the top. Or it's just that it's what we always understood and the streaming data told us that it's everybody's favorite album from her back catalog. And so there was a lot more interest in it just naturally, I think it's probably some combination of all those things. But I, I agree. I agree with that. It's probably a combination of all those things. I do think I was I was thinking about when we did the first episode about this re-release, and it was funny that like I think I felt some sort of some sense of like anxiety of how we talk about it. 
because 1989 to me is so big and so shiny and glamorous and exciting and was such a statement musically and and what it meant for her career and such a turning point that as good as I think this re-recording is, and I do, I think it's good. 1989 is an album that just like overwhelms you or at least me. And so when I listened to it, you know, we did all the nitpicking and I had had different reactions to different songs, but I can't, the dominant feeling that I came away with was just like, holy shit, this is a good album. Like the yeah. re-recording is great. The original is great. Like this is a body of work and a body of music. It was just a really impressive thing that happened. And it kind of overwhelms the small details to me. But that's like, a you know, it's a hard thing to do a podcast about is just like, oh, 1989, good record. But I do think that there's some of that that's operative with this where it's just people want to listen to these songs. Yeah. Uh, look, we have 40 hours or so of probably more than that of content from every single album, Taylor Swift, where for a long time, we were trying to convince the masses of her greatness while celebrating the music and going through it for the converted already. At this point, she is the biggest star on the planet. And so talking endlessly for hours about how great she is is kind of boring and misses the point. It's a lot more interesting, I think, in ways that acknowledge her greatness to pull it apart a bit and find some of the interesting chinks in the army. It's f- armor. It's fun to talk about <laughs> why they would have gone with Slut as a single and, and how that sort of traces through the lineage of her albums. It's sort of more fun now to talk about the little bits that are off because she is in this moment of absolute deification, and I would say largely for good reason. But yeah, it makes for much it, more fun potting when we can pull it apart a bit. Oh, totally. And the, the the forensic stuff is kind of separate in some ways to me. There is this there is this sort of funny dynamic, I think, where she is like she's like a living deity, right? In in culture. And she's so huge and so popular. And I think there's still this weird feeling where a lot of her biggest fans got to know her as an artist and were supporting her even at times when she was objectively super hyper successful, but still felt weird about announcing how much they loved her and and their fandom and and how meaningful she was to people. Like, I think there's often a disconnect between Mm -hmm. people who pay some attention, but who, you know, especially like people who pay attention to music criticism sort of writ large and culture writ large, where going back more than a decade, I think the impression that group gets is like Taylor Swift is on top of the world. Taylor Swift is always winning. Taylor Swift is always getting everything she wants. And then that's where there's often a disconnect, I think, with large parts of the the fan base where 
Yeah, Taylor Swift might have been massively famous by the time of Fearless. But also, she had a lot of fans who probably felt a little bit like, is this too girly? Is this lame? Is this like, should I keep it to myself that I really love love this person? And I do think that that there is like a misunderstanding of energies between those two groups that sometimes leads to some friction, sometimes leads to just sort of like an interesting moment of the public conversation about Taylor Swift, which is, yeah. I think, where we where we are now. Yeah. The genius of Taylor is, to me, that she's the one artist that the core fans don't resent the next layer of fans who've come in. Most of the time, an artist gets big and it's those or- original fans who are like, oh, fuck, you know, this artist most used to be cool. Of, most of the time. And isn't cool. I, I just think, but the reason for that is because she feeds so much of the dots that are connectable, even if they're not meant to be connected. She feeds that appetite so brilliantly. Yeah. But she gives enough of the raw meat to the to the core base that they're they're they still feel taken care of and seen, even as the rest of the world and now, you know the NFL fans come into the fandom. Well, she's also made it easy for people who come in late or casually or whatever to get the inside jokes, at least some of them pretty quickly, right? Like you will learn about seemingly ranch and, and some of that stuff in the Easter egging and that part of the culture, which is, in some ways centered around the behavior of like really, really intense fans and the core fans that have always been there. But like that phenomenon has really scaled up. So I think it's very easy for, for fans coming in now to not only just enjoy her as an artist, but to be part of Swifty Dumb. But I also do think that there's a, like there's still a fair bit of, Oh, you like Taylor Swift? Like, Name every Willow remix. Yeah, like, fair that, enough. It's not to say that that doesn't They'll exist. always have like No, It's Becky and everything else. I don't know. I love No, It's Becky. All right. Carrie H. Which 1989 vault track do you think she'd make a music, uh, a video for? Well, it's Is It Over Now, isn't it? You dream of my mouth before it called you a lying traitor. Yeah, I think so. Just because of, of how much people have latched onto it. It doesn't feel like one's coming, though, does it? Yeah, I guess I think it's not. I guess I think she's got enough going on right now. <laughs> I I will say that I like Suburban Legends more than you do. When I ended up back at a class reunion Walking in with you There's an aesthetic quality to that. Just that idea that I think could be fun for her to play around with. So but, I might I mean, enjoy I, that, but I don't, I don't think that she would give that a treatment. The way that I get through that song is by thinking that it's actually about Suburbans, like the car. Because <laughs> that's, she's always driving around in those things. I mean, maybe that's, maybe it's a, maybe it's a double meaning. That's actually a great, you know what? <laughs> I think that's I get, a really good read. Thank you, Nora. Because we did get it. We got another, um, we had another question, which... Well, Victoria asked us what the fuck yeah, is Suburban yeah, yeah. Legends even about. Yeah, it's the next question. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's a really good question because I have to say, can you think of another 
Taylor Swift song that is more opaque in what it's actually describing than this song because I'm not sure that I can. Mm. Someone no. is someone is getting calls on unmarked numbers, which is a little sketchy. You had people who called you on unmarked numbers in my peripheral vision. I, I don't I'm interested in that character. It's unclear if the high school thing is an analogy. Is sort of the Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince thing being done over. Or if this is literally someone that she knew in high school or someone who had a similar high school experience to hers where she could dream about going back to a reunion. The theory that I'm sort of poking around is the possibility that it's about um, what's-his-face Kennedy. For the, the only reason that it has a little bit of, you know, it has the 1950s gymnasium. Yeah. And she was really on her 50s core stuff around this era. And then the other thing was the lines, I pace down your block and then waves crash on the shore. Tick tock on the clock, I pace down your block. Waves crash on the shore, I dash to the door. Which are in the same part of the song. The best place that I can think of where Taylor could have walked down someone's block and been near waves crashing is, the is when she, is when she bought the place near the Kennedy compound. Mm. Well, there is the there is the line about mismatched star signs. I had the fantasy that maybe your mismatched star signs would surprise the whole school. I investigated that. Everyone was a pretty good match. Um Connor Kennedy is a Leo. Taylor is a Sagittarius. It's good. It's fine. Harry is an Aquarius. Also good. Also fine. You know, for those who are interested, Carly Kloss is also a Leo. So that's all fine and good. Uh, So we just don't really have a lot of, there's, there's not a lot to go off of here. I find this song very confusing. So that's why I would argue for a music video for it, even though she would never do it. Just like, tell me what's going on in this song, Taylor. But this is, it's time for, it's time for a little sit down. She is such a massive media star that if we're being honest, there was less actual setup for this album than for Speak Now. She didn't do a video for this. She did for Speak Now. She did, you know, there were no features on this one. She just kind of was Taylor Swift and put it out. And again, massive attention on her because of the relationship. She's having fun and living her life in New York City and being photographed everywhere. And those things are just being passed around the internet. So I think that in and of itself was the media machine that helped drive it. Yes. No, hold on. Let's let's hang on this point for a second because we got a, a there were a bunch of questions. Many of them also citing the lack of a music video about why she's done the least promo. For this yeah. re-record. She doesn't fucking need it. That's the she's answer. Do, like, she's doing the promo. 
she's hanging out of a skybox at the Chiefs Stadium. Yes, and the promo is when she's on the walking most watched out of telecast dinner, in America, and she's she's wearing outfits, and we're all talking about it, and we're all texting about it, and we're all making TikToks about it. That's the promo, and it's yeah, working yeah, yeah. because this it, is the biggest it, release of the year. It's already outsold the original in its first week, and but, it it broke the record that she already set with Midnight's. And part of that is just more and more people join streaming services and blah 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 blah. But, the, but this yeah, is not a in this huge, case. yeah, huge, huge, and, huge release for her. Yes, and the thing about this is she's such a big force now that she controls the message. She has. You know, she is the tower that beams whatever message she wants to the far corners of the planet. And yet, I want an intermediary. I want someone who's going to sit down with her and ask her these questions. By the way, Taylor, I mean, we're right here. You want to come on this pod, we're ready. But I want somebody to actually get us answers about this because we're getting only the front door and the facade of the house. We're not getting the inner workings. And it is, that's exactly how she wants it in this moment. So that is how it will be. But there are so many interesting questions around the last year of her life that maybe they'll come out in a documentary someday. Maybe they won't. But that explain, you know, that give a whole lot of context for what's going on. So I, I... I understand that when you can control the direct-to-consumer message, you don't do it. And I don't blame her one bit for it. But wow, there's a lot of intrigue. Not like, hey, tell me you know, the intricate details of your personal life. But I do want to know if she dropped in his DMs. I mean, did she slide into his DMs? It kind of seems like that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. Go Taylor. But just in the making of this album, when was it actually made? Was the vault started when we started to hear rumblings of 1989 coming pre-Midnight's? What's the relationship between the vault and Midnight's? Like all of those interesting creative questions, forget the personal life questions. I, I, I wish for her to be happy and it's none of our damn business. There are so many interesting questions about the way that she made this art that her power as a media force now, ironically just, washes away the ability for us to get any of that information. When she needed, at least she'd show up on Fallon and he might ask one question of substance before giggling through, you know, the setup for the for the banana video. Uh, yeah, but, but you I, know what? You know what? This is Taylor Swift that we're talking about. Someday she's going to tell us. Someday she's going to unburden herself it's probably probably a fair bit of it's going to be in song yeah and i think that that eventually we will get context on some of those things i do think i think you should should give yourself permission to trust your instincts on the timeline in terms of the making of and the relationship between the timeline of midnights and the timeline of the vault because i think that that to me, that really holds water. Well, the rest of it. It's my belief that we're going to hear from her on some of this eventually. 
the other thing that I think is, you know, I, I was talking with some of my friends recently and one of my friends just said, like, it's a dark time in the world and it's yeah. nice to just see Taylor Swift out and about and have a silly thing to talk about with your friends. Like that to me has been a lift. Yeah. And it is frothy pop culture stuff for sure. But I am very content with this being, you know, just the pap walks and the going out to every new American slash Italian restaurant below 14th street and all of that. Like I'm good with that being the promotion cycle for this. I probably am happier with that than a music video. Cause it's just, it's, it's fun to see you're out living your life and you know, yeah. I hope it doesn't get too intense, but in, I think it's in enjoyable. its own way. It's a pretty, it's a pretty sick flex. She does not need traditional media anymore. She hasn't really in a long time, but I think she's been very good at at making it part of the equation and mm. using those platforms sporadically. And look, I think sometimes the album, the rollout fits the album, right? Like there was something about Red where she did so much traditional media for that re-release where it kind of fit because her whole vibe was like directing the short video and, you know, it just felt, I don't know. There was something where it was like, ah, fall. Yes. Let's go on, on late night and be written about in magazines and all of that stuff where it just was fitting with the album. And I think now like, I mean, Especially she's 1989. Now. She's bigger. And also, this is just what 1989 is. It, but, it's so yeah. associated with the girl squad and all the photos and her her doing stuff and having fun and living her life. And yeah, she had the number one album in the country, and all she had to do was get out of bed. Go to dinner. Kind of badass. Go have some oysters. It is kind of badass. Good for Taylor. But there are a lot of creative questions that it cuts out for us. And one of those creative questions came from FEP516. Yep. Which was, can we dig into more about why Max Martin didn't show up? It's confounding. I agree. I do agree that it's confounding. Uh, may, I, may I posit a theory as I want to do? Please. So, and a, a, a colleague of mine brought this up, which I think is a good point. There has been some some funny reporting around Anne Juliet, which is the Max Barton musical that's currently on Broadway, having to do with the fact that Max said, Max told the New York Times um, when he did an interview about the show, very rare interview for Max Martin. He said that no one turned him down to use songs in the musical. But there is not a single Taylor Swift song in the thing. And everyone else is there, right? Like Britney Spears, Katy Perry, um, the Backstreet and Sync stuff, all the way up to um, like Ariana and The Weeknd. It is really all in there. Kelly Clarkson, Pink, like all of those big Max Martin hits are in this musical. And there's not a single Taylor Swift song. And then add in the fact that the, the what the, show is about, spoiler alert, is 
a version of Romeo and Juliet where Juliet lives, which sounds a little bit like a certain song mm. by a certain artist. Mm-hmm. So well, to me, that's an interesting data point in this because it is a little bit fishy that that while he said that no one said you're not allowed to use my songs, they wouldn't want to take the opportunity to put a Taylor Swift song in this show if that was available to them. That seems strange. It's either contractual or it's relational. It is super weird that Shellback just shows up on Wild Streams. We've said this. I just, that's the part for me that I, oh, so he is available. We're just not using him. And he is willing to come on and work. We're just not doing it. So to well, me, Shellback I, is, is willing to come on and work. But I mean, he does a little drum program, you know, a little bit here and there, but he's not producing. Like she didn't use him. So I come well, back she, to yeah, this. Yeah. I mean, I guess the question is like, does does Shellback equal Max, right? Like, are we saying yeah. that he's equally capable of of sprinkling the secret dust? Here's what I believe. Uh, Taylor Swift is surrounded by very, very good lawyers who I think it's fair to say, generally speaking, they've been very conservative with her and, you know, erred on the side of caution in many, many instances across her business and career. And in this case... I think to make sure that they don't step on the copyrights that she is re-recording, copyrights of songs that she is re-recording, it would not surprise me at all if they said, you know, because so many of these sounds are synthetic and so much of the art was influenced by Max Martin, let's not bring him back so that we have plausible deniability and credible deniability. And also... You know, I, it would not surprise me at all if Max had some concerns about what he was legally able to do. All right, that seems that seems reasonable. I do think it's strange that she's not in the in the musical. I also, you know, another kernel is that Doctor Luke is still really close with is you know working with Max. He's an EP on that show. Uh, maybe some of the Kesha stuff and, and Taylor's support of her could have caused friction. Cause clearly Luke is still very much in Max's orbit. I, I don't know. I don't want to totally speculate, but yeah. I, there are also, some potential things that could have yeah. led to friction there. Yeah. Max may also not have been wholly transparent. Can I ran for a sec? Uh, yes, please. Nora, you know, I love when you do. Pay apps are way too public. Uh-oh. What happened? Okay. So some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying. Full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it is super weird. Well, how are you going to pay your friends then? I'm asking for a friend. Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, terms apply. Okay, I love this question from Mikey. If Travis Kelsey were a Taylor album, what album would he be? I mean, you know what the answer is. So I'll let you say it. I don't necessarily feel like you and I are going to have the... No, you go first. Reputation. Got a list of names and yours is in red underlined. 
What? His reputation. What do you think? Okay, he is? make the case to me. I was. No. I. I think he's lover. What? Joe Alwyn is lover. Why is he lover? Joe. Joe. First of all, Joe is not lover. Everything we know about Joe, and I say this with truly no disrespect, is that he's like a a sort of actor, hipsterish, quasi intellectual. British dude who likes to play soft piano ditties and takes stylized photography that he cryptically posts on Instagram sometimes. That is not lover. Those are not lover vibes. Why is lover Travis vibes? I mean, I just think... Because it's like exuberant and over the top and there's sort of like an Americana like referency thing. And it's sort of goofy. Reputation is all over the place. Reputation is his outfits. It's chaos. Uh, it's okay, there's, there's underappreciated a little bit of that. at first. Uh, no, there's some stuff I'm, that works. I'm sorry. She's playing With, a character in, 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 in a lot of the cases. It's appreciated more through time. He is kind of corny in a reputation, like some of the, the right. campiness. Right. I can see it. Okay, I see it a little bit more than when you first said it. I still think he's lover. I just don't think that he has, like, the darkness of reputation is not really Travis's method of presenting himself and his personality to the world. Reputation isn't like the little humpy, weird dance he does when he celebrates. Humpy? It's humpy. Is that like, an sorry. adjective we're That's using? That's the word for that. Reputation isn't humpy? I didn't Reputation say that. is the humpiest No, reputation album. is very humpy, but in a it's different way. way humpy. <laughs> Potentially. Potentially Taylor's humpiest album. But not in the like... Okay, I can't talk about this anymore. You know what I mean. Pull up, pull up. Scripple. Scripple? There are a lot of consonants in this. This. Um, yeah, there were not vowels available for you this. You know what? This might be SJ Cripple. I'm sorry. I'm doing a terrible job with, with handles today. I apologize to all of our listeners. You're the greatest people. Thank you for asking questions. First weekend back on tour surprise song predictions. I think there's it, one 1989 vault song. Is it over there. now? And, for sure. And then something else. The other one's going to be totally out of left field. Some, I mean, unless, do you think that she would go, I don't think she would go double 1989. I think she definitely could. I guess she could. It's but the biggest did, album in the world. I don't know. I think she's going to do one 1989. And then I'll tell another. you what she's going to do. She's going to do a 1989 vault song and then she's going to do whatever Travis requests because he's going to be sitting in the VIP tent (laughs) on his bye week with his big ass grin and some chaotic fucking outfit and they're going to stare at each other and that's going to be the next, you know, set of insane fan videos that make a bunch of edits that may or may not 
actually reflect the interaction between the two of them. But I mean, it, bets, all bets are up. He's going to be in Buenos Aires, right? I don't know. Oh. I think it, if I were Travis Kelsey, I'd sure want to be. The Kansas I mean, City Chiefs offense is doing okay. <laughs> and I wonder, you know, they they have a little bit of time off, but I do wonder if there is, if he's going to feel the need to really kind of buckle down. Um, well, because well, I mean, to be very clear, this would be stupid, but like football is sometimes, you know, don't tell them I said this, football can be kind of stupid. And I worry that he's going to start getting like a, is, is he, he doing too enough? much stuff? Is is he like yeah. flying around the world and blah, blah, the, blah, da- blah, blah, David Beckham, the, all the David Beckham stuff that he got when he started dating posh. Yes. Totally. I, 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 I'm look, a little worried about it. So are I'm, you noticing? I, I mean, she had the watch party for the, she yeah. had the like wag watch party at her house in New York. I mean, the best yeah. way to meet Taylor Swift is to start dating a Kansas City chief right now. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of true. Is she just like, she shows up with a toothbrush on the second date, doesn't she? I mean, she is all in. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, she's just, her life is different, you know? And they're I love it. it off. She knows what and she wants. This, and, and right. And I think at the same time as like, they don't live in the same place and they have means of travel that, that most people do not have obviously. So they can go see each other and, and do all that stuff. But if you're going to have a long distance relationship, you kind of have to be a little bit intense about it when you have, when you, I think you're right. Can be, but like he wasn't there, but she's now like, sure. But you when you she- have an opportunity to do a whole thing and, and have did she the, make cookies for that like, party? Definitively. Yes. Like and Kansas city chief themed cookies, right? Yes, Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. And everyone was wearing the gear and I bet that there were decorations. You think anybody um, said, nah, sorry, I can't come to Taylor Swift's apartment? No. <laughs> did, anybody, no. did anybody turn down the invite? Absolutely not. There's, I, I would be so, I wonder if anyone has ever turned down an invitation to Taylor Swift's apartment. That just doesn't seem like something one does. Brittany Mahomes organized this. Yeah, let's talk about that for one second, just because it's in my head. Okay. I think Taylor sees a lot of herself in Brittany Mahomes. <laughs> like, I think the hate that has been bestowed upon Brittany Mahomes, like, just sort of historically. Like, Taylor is taking her out with Gigi Hadid and Selena. Go- She's elevated this woman who, I think, you know, I, 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 don't, I haven't followed it all that clearly closely like Jackson Mahomes seems like super annoying but like you know that's just her brother and whatever she defends her brother I, I right. and I've heard I, I've heard you know he's got some legal issues and there's some you know legitimate he's concerns a, about all of that he's a for pill. sure I feel comfortable saying this about Jackson Mahomes which like let's just be clear about how many degrees of separation we have here this is the brother of a guy who plays football with Taylor's boyfriend and the brother-in-law of her friend. It's not exactly like, this is not exactly the Maddie Healy backlash, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if Jackson Mahomes starts regularly exiting Taylor Swift's apartment, then maybe, then we yes, we have a conversation about some of the judgment. I am sure 
that when Jackson Mahomes gets within 15 feet of her, tree pain is like watching. Yeah. So are the security guards. Totally. And that's and that's fine. But I do I do think she's making an intentional statement by holding her hand and bringing her alongside some of the most yeah, famous beautiful women in the world because by the way some of the criticism of Brittany Mahomes was she's not cute enough for him. And by the way yeah. that might that, that that's a voice that that I just made that you know c- could have been male or female. Like she's not pretty enough like there's a lot of that kind of thing and she has elevated this woman and said you know, she's my friend and is holding her hand, walking out of enormously hard to get into restaurants and back into her apartment and everything else. I mean, I think it's a very lovely statement that, again, she's using her platform and her power to send a message. I hope people sort of needle that out and pay attention. Yeah, everybody should lay the fuck off, Brittany. Like, it's it's always been a weird... It's, yeah. You know, and let them do their nerdy-ass handshakes. Again, Taylor Swift is not a normal person. She doesn't exist in a plane of normalcy in her life. And all of us have done that to her. So, yeah, are there going to be some weird fucking handshakes? Probably. Let her do it. She's just having fun. I like In one handshake. of the very few moments in which she is being entertained instead of her having to entertain the world. And that includes her walking out of these restaurants. She knows she's on stage. She's wearing the rings for you. She's putting the outfits on. She's putting on the stealth. Like, that, that's her entertaining you. I think part of what's so fun about this for her is when she's in the damn box, she's being entertained. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't the 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 relationship between she's also entertaining a little bit when she's doing that, and I think yeah, she is. You're right. You're right. But let her fan. I do think I think she is having a lot of fun being. You know, and I think like look, I think by proxy, there's a lot of women who are sort of enjoying like oh we can sort of follow like we're gonna follow Travis and see what happens and obviously there are hordes of women who have been doing this all along and have absolutely no need for a pop star to date a football player to be paying attention I'm one of them whatever but also it's a totally legitimate experience to be like I don't care about this sport but it's sort of fun to like like it almost feels like being in college where you just sort of go to games because you have a, like school spirit and it's fun and it's silly. And like she is, I think, enjoying that experience. And that is so her right. And it's fall. It's a good fall activity. Yeah. I'm having fun with it. I am too. Uh, okay. Important question. From Gotifko. What do you do when your four-year-old huge Taylor fan That's go has decided go. her go Tiff go? Okay, go Tiff go, go Tiff go, go Tiff. What do you do when your four-year-old huge Taylor fan has decided her Christmas album is his favorite? Yeah, you lean into Christmas Tree Farm. In my heart is a Christmas tree farm where the people would come. Make just load it up. That, okay, Christmas tree farm is not on the Christmas album. I know, but I know, but you introduce him to Christmas tree farm because that is a badass Taylor Swift song, and you just let him run with it. Let's go. He will evolve through time. Here's the thing: I got girls who are 19 and 17 right now, and they, when I started trying to force feed them music 
as little girls. They didn't grab onto it in the way that I was hoping. But when you just kind of leave stuff around their rooms, that's when they start to listen. And they start to, it, it becomes their own. It has to be their own idea. And then they'll discover things. And then their Spotify feeds, guess what? Start to feed them other stuff. And then before you know it, they're taking you to Boy Genius on Halloween, like yes. happened for me. So go with it. It's great. Yeah. Also, I do, that's a good recommendation. Add Christmas Tree Farm to the playlist. Just do a playlist with the album plus Christmas Tree Farm. Um, little bread. Maybe throw in a little bit of Evermore there because someone claimed that that's a Christmas album. I can hear an argument for wanting to diversify from just the tracks on the Christmas album, but have fun with it. Let him go ham with it. I love it. Another Spotify question. algorithm will will solve those problems for you. Justine, how responsible do you think Mama Swift is for holding back fault tracks? <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, I hear that that unbutton my blouse slide and go, absolutely not. Was it over when he unbuttoned my blouse? <laughs> do you think that was a discussion? I do not. I I don't think that, I don't think Taylor's mom, and obviously I have no idea. I don't think Taylor's mom has ever told her she couldn't release something. I do think that Taylor has probably, as I think anyone would, made a decision or two based on, oh God, I just don't want to deal with what my mom's going to say about this. Yeah. That's not a new thing. Taylor's oldest time. I mean, that's why, like, if we graph the discussions of sexual innuendo, direct conversation about sex, lyrical conversation about sex, drinking, drug use, or at least references to high, like it's up and to the right. She's slowly yeah, well, she, I mean, she also warmed got up older. the gong on all this. Next question from Alina. I thought this was well phrased. What the F did Harold do? <laughs> What do you think, Nora? Here's what I think. I think that that 1989 1989 is a situationship album. And you know, was there some huge sin? I don't know. But I am sort of amused and sort of charmed and think there's something very honest about hearing all of this sort of like emotionally wrenching content about a relationship that maybe was like only kind of, you know, that wasn't that long and was very on and off because it's a good, sometimes those things are the most intense. And it seems like as one of my friends put it, she is a boyfriend girl and being in a situationship probably didn't go great. Hmm. Yeah. That's what I, I think. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think she um I think she just like Tom Brady said that he used to make up reasons to get angry so that it would fuel his competitive fire. I feel like she taps into these things and makes them as big of a deal as she possibly can to fuel oh, that her creative I, fire. That I disagree with. I don't think, I don't, I, I think that happens organically. 
I think when you're on uncertain ground in a relationship, it becomes that big completely naturally. Hmm. And I also think that sometimes those are the hurt feelings or sore spots that last the longest because when you get over them, then you still have the little kernel of like, in some ways, I never had anything really to be mad about, but also that was shitty. And you don't think any of this is performative or hyperbolic? Fundamentally, no. Do I think that she is, you know, do I think that she ever takes artistic license to, to make a moment something a little extra? Sure. I mean, I, you know, I don't mean for this to be like, and obviously I, who knows, but like, I don't think I think about jumping off of very tall somethings is intended to communicate. I was deeply hurt and depressed to the point of seriously contemplating suicide. I don't think that that is what she is trying to communicate artistically. I think she is successful in doing that in a way that conveys just the, the emotional stakes building, but in a way that's not quite so dark and quite so serious. So I think there are moments like that that are true in terms of taking some artistic license or whatever you want to call it. But no, in, in general, I think that these are real emotions. I, I don't question that the emotions are real. I'm just questioning whether on some of these songs across this album, if she created a, a, a bubble, if she tapped because it fueled that creative fire, if she really made the most, you know, maybe there was a smaller flame that she turned into a bonfire in service of the art. I think uncertainty and anxiety in a relationship would do that without in like her needing to have any sort of intention for it. Because if you don't know what's up between you and someone, you think about it all the fucking time. Yeah. And that's what I get from this is that she just was completely. Where do we stand? What does this mean? What is this? Blah, 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 blah at all times. And, and it it begat a lot of content. An important question from Serlin's Kate. Do you guys like acid rock? <laughs> Nathan, do you like acid rock? Now that we don't talk, I don't have to pretend I like acid rock. I'm into acid rock. Yeah, of course you are. I don't Why really wouldn't I be? Acid rock. I do. Here's what I will say. I've never been on a mega yacht. I think I would be fine with that. I would rather the important men not be there, but that I can get behind. I don't really like tell me three bands that you think of as acid rock. This, this is okay. I, I can you answer that question because I I have the same one. Like I'm unclear exactly what what this genre or subgenre communicates. I mean, I think it is rock that you listen to on acid, which was like Jerry Garcia's definition. But I, oh, I mean, I think... okay. Yeah. Like, it's it's basically an LSD reference. And so I think of it as like Hendrix and Purple Haze. Whatever it is, that girl put a spell on me. I think of it as... Do you think of it as like the Grateful Dead? 
Potentially, yeah, but that but those are two, that's it not really those are not the same genre. So right. I, I, I'm I'm more in the like Steppenwolf, like Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin. That kind of stuff. Okay, I'm a little bit more into that than I am into the Grateful Dead. But yeah. either way, this is this is I, not. I think the great. I don't think Grateful Dead count as acid rock. I don't. Okay. All right. No, I All think right. they're they're this long line of sort of jam band. That that's it's a very different song structure. It's a very different musical experience. But it does have. I mean, the the drug thing. There's a lot of acid is... there, but I mean, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of acid and a little bit of rock. Yeah. Heavy on the acid, light on the rock. Okay, we're going to finish up rapid fire, but I want to get to these questions because they're important to me. Jess Lennon asks, if you were going to add punctuation to any other Taylor Swift song, what would it be? Uh, Would you like for me to run through the songs that include punctuation? Yes. I Knew You Were Trouble has a period at the end. I feel like that gets underrated. That's a really good... Detail. Interesting. Oh, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Ellipses are on Ready For It. So take my time. Are you ready for it? Question. Can I ask you a question? Come back, be here. Come back, be here. And so it goes. Mm-hmm. There are, of course, exclamation points on me and slut. Boo. If they call me a slut, you know it might be worth it for Question marks on ready for it, question, and is it over now? Baby, was it over then? Slut has both an exclamation point and quotation marks. It is the only Taylor Swift song with quotation marks. Mm. And then Mary's song, Oh My, 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 has parentheses. I am leaving out commas, apostrophes, hyphens, and ampersands because I just don't think those count. Well, and all of the parentheses around Taylor's versions. Right, of course. So what would you do? (sighs) I mean, I would just add an... At three exclamation points at the end of Christmas Tree Farm. <laughs> Christmas Tree Farm! I love that. That's a really good one. I do kind of wish when she was in her lowercase era, there was probably an opportunity for one just like absolutely silly piece of like the little squiggle line like doing some real chat speak stuff. <laughs> it would have been funny. I think the best use of punctuation is that period at the end of I Knew You Were Trouble. I'm really into that. What about, yeah, like question mark after all too well. I remember it all too well. <laughs> that wouldn't work. That's a terrible idea. 
All too well, Taylor's version, 10 minute version, exclamation point, exclamation point, question mark? Question mark after babe. Babe? <laughs> babe? 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 You up? All right, Rachel Fisher, which will come first, Reputation or TS11, aka will she follow her trend of two re-records and then a new album? So we kind of hypothesized, like, let's stick with the idea of rep in February or whatever, you know, after the holidays. If that happens, when are we getting another album? I think next fall when she's back in the U.S., if it's going to happen. I, she's going to continue the two-year trend. Yeah, I think I agree. I just don't see how it could be done before then. Okay. Sheer Golan. I don't think I don't think I don't think she wants to launch formally into another era while she is still yeah, doing the era's tour. Because then it's, you know, I don't if you don't rip up the set list, but what do you do with the new stuff? Yeah. I mean, maybe she's that crazy and she's going to she's going to give us something, but she is entering a new era in her personal life. I think she will draw this whole sort of celebration of the eras to a close. There will be a washing and a reset and whatever comes next will be something new and different. I she don't see her ju- just in her own mind being able to move into something totally new. She has a lot going on. Shergolin 26. Do you think she wrote Slut before Beyonce's Drunken Love came out? What do you think, Nor? I don't. So Harry and Taylor met in March of 2012. The Sad Boat Girl pick was just after New Year's 2013. Drunken Love came out on December 17th, 2013. So if she wrote it, and Slut is fairly present tense. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's some possibility that if she wrote it, really amidst the relationship than that would have happened. But if she wrote it afterwards, I guess she's got, you know, she had the better part of a year, but uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't, I I guess I think it's possible. It feels like such an odd phrase for her to use that, that for some reason to me, it seems like it would have had to have lodged in her head from somewhere, but it, you know what? Actually, it's totally possible. I think it's an intentional reference, given the timing of these things. Probably a song that was part of the, you know, that that was sort of embedded into the DNA of the emotions that she conjures up in that song. All right. Kelsey Parker. Thoughts on the beachification of 1989 Taylor's version instead of the NYC aesthetic of the original? Yeah, where are you on this? So I, I'm... This, it's a really good question and we got it from multiple people. So clearly this is impacting people. This whole re-release still feels very New York to me, especially because the beach that it's giving is Rhode Island beach. Hmm. And that to me is like- It's close to New York and therefore, what do you mean? 
that is just like, first of all, she's out and about in the city like every weekend. So it's not as though Taylor is not embodying the spirit of New York right now. Yeah. I think that is, is to me, that is more powerful than some extra seagulls. It's not as though the, the original album art was referential to the city. So I think having that stuff be like on the beach somewhere is not sort of replacing something. And again, like, here's the thing about New Yorkers with means. Most of them are never fucking here. They're, they're, they're popping to Westerly for the weekend and coming back and going to the Hamptons and doing all the stuff. And I love this city so dearly. I'm so happy to call it my home. But also, a lot of New Yorkers spend a lot of time outside of New York. Fair enough. So to me, it fits into that. Yeah. It is a very it's, interesting observation, though, because I think about it is this a very, album. Like, it's a very East Coast New York album. City. It's probably a little bit more of like an East Coast album now, as opposed to a very specifically New York album. But I still think of it as as very New York centric. Okay. Also, sometimes I mean we have seagulls. Yeah, I just I just want to say, I'll come back to my theory on this. Okay, go look at the Ryan Adams cover of his cover of 1989. And it, I think there is a non-zero chance that in addition to reclaiming her art, she also reclaimed that vibe that he stole. You can tell me when it's over If the house with the pain That's fucking badass if she did that. I love that. I'm into it. Fuck yeah. Okay, question from Justine. How would pop culture history be different if Is It Over Now closed the original 1989? instead of clean. I love clean. Clean's one of my favorite songs on 1989. I do too. Clean, as much as, as much as I love Is It Over, over Now, I, I think she made the right choice. I do yeah. think if Is It Over Now closed the original album, we, we probably would have understood a little bit more of the hairy centrism of right. it all. Yes. But... Clean should have ended this album. It is the perfect ending to this album. Don't mess with it. Okay. And for the perfect ending to this podcast, this is a question I was most excited to ask you. From Basha 707 If you could ask Taylor one question about this album, what would it be? Man. I mean, I've introduced a number on this pod already. I mean, one is, did you reach out to try to get Harry Styles to participate? Like, did she go with the bit? Another is, what is the sequence of This Vault and Midnight's? Those are the two most burning questions that I have about this album. Interesting. To me, the two most burning are the Harry feature question and the Max Martin question. I I, I am I am like satisfied with your theory on Midnight's. I'm sort of accepting that into my life as canon, so I wouldn't feel okay. as much of a need to ask that one. I yeah, think those... The, the Max question is very interesting. Why? What the hell? What are we doing? Just what's happening. And yeah, that's probably... I will say, 
That's the question I would ask with my head. With my heart, the question I would ask would be, is Harry really that bad of a driver? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would, I might ask, can there be a slut part too? Yeah. 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 But that's that's, not really a question. Yeah, that's like a request. It's not a, yeah. 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 All right. Nathan, I've enjoyed this. This is Yeah, me too. I just, I just want to wrap up by saying one thing that is unequivocal truth. And to our friend who, who is uh, introducing her four-year-old son to the Taylor Swift Christmas album, I I just want to reiterate, it is November. And that means it is time for the true Taylor Swift Christmas album, which is Evermore. You could call me babe for the weekend. Tis a damn season. All right. It's I'm ending the season. podcast now. No more. It's Evermore season. It's Evermore season. This has been every single album. I'm Nora Princiati. As always, he is Nathan Hubbard. Thank you to It's Kyle a and Christmas Mullen album. For producing this episode and to you for listening. We'll talk it's to you. It's a holiday soon. album.